You're listening to the Real Business Connections Network. Real Business Connections Network. Powered powered by Balbert Marketing, LLC. Subscribe now and check us out at realbusinessconnections.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Lunch Break ABC Hour. I am here joined today by the Lunch Break crew. We're here with Andrew Biernat. We're here with Ben Albert. We're here with Christine Smith down here in the corner. And I am Brandon Eastman. And we are the Lunch Break ABCs. We're bringing you strategies and philosophies and tips to help you to elevate your business, to help you forward your life in a positive direction. And our topics aren't just off the cuff. We let you vote on the topics. And today you voted on two very important topics. So we have a thing here at the Lunch Break team where if both topics get an equal amount of votes or pretty close to it. We just kind of combine them both together. And today we're going to be talking about high performance habits. What are they? Which ones should you install in your life? What is something about habits that is important to know that maybe you haven't thought about before that will help you to elevate your game to the next level? We have a lot coming at you today. We've already got some people here in the chat. We've got Courtney Trevet. Good afternoon, Courtney. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to go in the comments. Let us know you're here. Let us know where you're tuning in from. And how about, let's start with Mr. Ben Albert today. Ben, when you think of high performance habits, what are you thinking about? I'm happy you shot it over to me because I was thinking in my head. So habits um, won by a landslide, but high performance was a slight, you know, it was second. But here's the thing. Habits won. But what's the point in talking about habits if we're talking about bad habits? So it worked out perfectly that we'll talk about high performance habits. Um, And that's really what I think of. I mean, being lazy is a choice. Putting together a positive habit is a choice. So I'm really excited to talk about the high performance habits, the the habits that make us better, the habits that will help us succeed in business and in life. And uh, I just think it's a great topic. So um, I'm excited to be here. And I want to hear from y'all because I'm trying to level up myself. Love that. I mean, what about being strategically lazy? (laughs) Fair. Yeah. What does that mean? How, How are you strategically lazy, Christine? Um, so like, I always like talking about this cause I feel like it's like controversial. <laughs> like I don't really consider myself a lazy person, but there are certain things that we all don't like to do. Right. And we put it off, we put it off. Like, you know, it's a, it's the last thing on your list, even if it's the easiest thing. So I look at that as being strategically lazy, right? Because, I know that I'm not going to spend a lot of energy on whatever this thing is because I don't like it. So like a good, a good, um, uh, a good example is like laundry. Like I hate it. It's like the chore that uh, my spouse and I both don't like. Right. Um, So I either have to have somebody else do it. Right. Like, so when my cleaner comes, okay, can you just fold this? Like, don't put it away, just fold it. Um, or I have to incorporate it in to something else that I'm already doing. So the strategy side is for me, distraction. So I know I will get things done if my mind isn't focused on the one thing that I hate doing. And this applies like across the board, right? Like in business, there's stuff that we don't like doing. Tax season just kind of left, right? 
Uh, a lot of people don't like doing that or going back and reconciling your entire QuickBooks for the year, right? But if you're strategic about it, you can say, okay, I hate this task. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Maybe you do it quarterly or you should do it quarterly. Um, but you have something else that's going on at the same time that can be distracting. So like your favorite show on in the background, um, maybe you change the scenery, you take your laptop and you go out on, you know, outside, um, you give yourself a treat. <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but like, all right, if I do this and complete it in its entirety and I don't have to deal with it again for another year or whatever, I'm going to go do this. That's more fun. I love I love that insight. And one thing that it makes me think of is uh, actually Patrick Lencioni came out with a, a new framework as far as um, the way that we work or avoid work and what we do best. Uh, he called it the working genius. And there were kind of three major sections to the working genius. There's kind of one that's like the ideation and creation coming up with ideas. There's the end phase, which is like actually putting stuff into place and actually doing work or cre- you know doing the actual uh, hands and feet work of making something or finishing something. And then there's like an in-between zone, uh, which is kind of the the step between ideation and the step between finishing it and getting it done. Um, and often that's that step kind of gets overlooked in some ways. Uh, and that's kind of getting people on board. That's getting excited about it, getting clarity on it, make sure, make sure it's the right thing. But each of us has certain geniuses within that spectrum. Uh, and he's broken those three up into two further sections for so a total of six different geniuses they've come up with. Um, and each person has two geniuses and they have two frustrations. And so those working frustrations, kind of like Christine's talking about, like it's just something you don't enjoy, whether you're working in the home, whether you're working in your own life. Um, and I think that's something that's really critical for us to know as we're going about our habits. Because if, if you're trying to set up a habit in your life to be a higher performer, in a particular way, if it's something that you hate doing or something that you're not going to enjoy or something that you're just going to push away and avoid, like you're just not going to do it, no matter how great of a habit it is, no no matter how awesome of a system that you have set up in your life, you're still just not going to do it. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that place where they're like, well, I'm going to start working out. Well, like if there's nothing positive about your workout experience, then you're not going to go back to it, right? If it's if it's something that is an agony, it's something that's really difficult to do, um, you need to find a way to incorporate it into your life uh, in a way that makes sense for you. So example, uh, I, I saw a friend of mine on LinkedIn, he um, said like, hey, I just, he literally built a pickleball court at his house um, <laughs> and he invites people over and they just plays pickleball with people. And he's like, yeah, I'm not much of a gym guy. You know, like I understand it's important. I know fitness is really critical. Like, and, and it's, it's a big part of what I want to be. But at the same time, like, I just don't do it. And so what I will do though, is I'll walk outside and I'll play pickleball with some friends, right? If we can make it competitive, we can make it fun. All of a sudden now fitness for him is no longer this like to-do list thing. It's no longer this yeah. difficult thing that it's involving a lot of work. It's this thing that naturally fits into the way that he lives his life. Um, and so I, I kind of want to bring up that idea as far as knowing yourself as you're getting yourself set up with habits. Ooh, I love that idea. Of, yeah. And then that raises the question too, Andrew, of how can you add spontaneity and excitement into these mundane activities that you know that you should do, but you just don't want to do it. Like when I think of a lot of business owners that I work with and a lot of different coaches and authors and whatever the title may be, they're selling a product, right? They, many of them do not like the idea of prospecting. They don't like the idea 
of reaching out to people on LinkedIn. They don't like attending the networking events, which is why they need to call Christine Smith to get over at Hangar and network with more people. They don't like doing these little things because they sense that discomfort or they have that, that level of fear that's stopping them from doing so. But your habits are what truly define the life that you live. Your habits are everything. It's not the little actions that you spontaneously decide to do on a daily basis. Like it's a Wednesday and you decide, you know what? I kind of have a little bit of free time. I'm going to try this prospecting thing. It's not the small actions that change your life. It's the things that you do without having to think about doing them that change your life. You wake up and you brew your cup of coffee. That's a habit. And depending on who you are and how you're drinking that coffee, that might be a high performance (laughs) habit, something that moves your life in the forward direction. So I wanted to talk to you guys about how to install habits, but Joe Templin made a really important Mm -hmm. point here in the comments. By the way, leave your comments. Let us know where you're tuning in from. If you're listening right now, don't be shy. Leave your comment in there. We want your feedback to make this episode even better. Joe Templin says, that's what Mark Manson talks about. F allocations minimal investments on the things that don't really matter, such as laundry. So I haven't yet outsourced my laundry, but one thing that I have outsourced is something as simple as mowing the lawn. And my wife and I have even started bringing in like a cleaning company to clean the home. And the lawn, for those who aren't having someone mow their lawn, it's like 50 bucks to have someone mow your lawn. We have a quarter acre. So if you have more land, then it might, you know, obviously cost a little bit more and it might not be the same for everybody. But I like... I'm around people like my dad and my dad's a man's man. Right. And he says things to me like, why are you having someone else mow your lawn kid? He's this big burly construction dude. And he's like, you need to be a man and mow your own lawn. And it's hard to convince people like that. But I say to him, dad, why would I mow the lawn and spend an hour and a half doing that when I could take that time and work with the client or take that time and reach out to new clients to bring on more business, why would I spend the time doing something that I don't want to do? Could I add something to spruce up my experience of mowing the lawn? Yeah, I could listen to an audiobook. I could have a phone conversation with Ben Albert, which would be a very enlightening conversation. But I would rather have that conversation in a different way, right? Maybe over a game of pickleball. So outsource these things that are taking your time and your and your energy and... <clears throat> The, the, the good vibrations away, right? If you are in love with doing something, then outsource that. But sometimes there are things that we know we should do based on the lifestyle that we want to live that we must install a habit in order to do that. It's the things that we constantly do that change our life, not the small spontaneous decisions that do so. One thing that I'd like to talk with you guys about at some point during this conversation, and it doesn't have to be now, is I have read a lot of personal development books And there's a lot of habits that I've read in these books that I started and tried, but never continued with. And Mm. some even that lessened my experience overall of being a business owner, entrepreneur, father, whatever it might be. So I'm curious to hear from you guys, you know, one of two things, how do you go about installing a habit? What are some habits that are tried and true for you? And, or the, uh, the last question that I just asked, is there a habit that you tried that you thought would be a high performance habit, but it just didn't turn out to be that way? Can I quickly, I just want to say one thing that grinds my gears and it's quick and it's the opposite of being integrated and installing the habits in your daily life. There's a sale trainer. I love him. A lot of what he says is great, but he teaches people how to pretend like they're interested. So you need to, so you're doing it right now, Brandon, you need to nod. You need to be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh. amazing, Ben. Circus? And then when they're done with the the sentence, you just find a key word and you repeat it back to them. Like I feel it's more revenue, right more revenue. 
Well, here's Are you the thing. attacking me right now, Ben, on, on live no, air? No, <laughs> because when you're living an integrated life, you are present, you're listening, that's what you do. But that's not just what you do because it's a revenue-driven sales call. It's what you do with your wife, with your friends, with your family, because that's what happens, because that's just what you do as a normal human being. But I feel like he's teaching people how to pretend like they're yeah. interested. You need to that's use like this tonality. This is, this, is a, this is, yeah, manipulation. This is an interested tone. Oh, Brandon, what, what is your opinion? And he teaches people things that, in my opinion, you need to just kind of learn to be a natural human. So that's what grinds my gears about when you're not integrated and you're put on the spot and then suddenly you're being fake and you're being manipulative. So let's talk about the, what you actually said, Brandon, how to actually do that, you know, not that specifically, but live a life where we're implementing our habits on a daily basis. So we're not put on the spot and then acting like an actor on the stage. We're actually that high performance person that crushes it behind the scenes. So when the curtain, you know, opens, we're prepared. So I want to pass it to either Andrew or Christine. What are some of the hyper, you're both super high performers. What are some of the high performance habits you guys have implemented to be successful? So I wanted to comment that I feel like when people think about like high performance and habits and things like that, they think that this means there's a shortcut. And Ben gave this good example of that coach kind of doing that. That, That's a shortcut. Oh, well, this is going to get you to that point faster. No, (laughs) it's going to cause a fire and you're going to have to put it out and it's going to be even worse for you at a later point, because people are going to see you as like manipulative, fake, like you're not really interested. Um, that's not a good habit for any sort of thing, right? We don't, we, we live in a reality now that the old school way of doing things, the, the car salesman way, right? Like, oh, I'll just, you know, hide, hide, hide you and you won't know. Like uh, the fact that that still exists, it drives me insane. But that is not a good way for high performance because that's going to give you high performance for a very short time, not a very long time. So um, habits that for me personally, I've installed and even ones I've tried that I just, it failed like the whole getting up early thing. um, That was something that I see all the time with like what I would consider very top performers, or at least they're showcasing that they're a top performer I make millions of dollars. I have this great team. I do all these things. You got to wake up at 4 a.m. No, like that doesn't work for me. I am not a high performer at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. No, I am a high performer at 9 p.m. Like I don't do the the early morning thing. So I tried. I actually did like CrossFit at 5 a.m. Uh, it was fine, right? Like, but it wasn't the best use of how I function as a human being. So I adjusted that habit and I refuse to do most things before like nine o'clock in the morning because I am not in the best frame of mind. I will do things later in the day. So like I hold events at night. I typically don't do them during the day because I'm not in the best state of mind. I'm, I'm more focused at that time. Um, and it's worked out really well. I mean, I, I host a lot of successful events, um, and I would never try and do them in the morning. I have, I've been on panels. I've done that sort of thing, but if I can avoid that, I, I will, I will say no, if I can to those types of things. I love that. So 
you know, what we've been kind of going with here is, you know, what, what are our habits and our tendencies and how can we build a life that fits us? And, you know, Brandon mentioned the idea that like, you know, uh, he's similar to me. Like, we're not necessarily like the man's man. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah, I'll mow my lawn if I have to. But like, I don't, that's not like <laughs> my pride and joy. Now, I have a friend who's like super finicky about his lawn. He loves lawn. Um, you know, and he just like, he just loves like the, you know, the, the pH of the soil and like, you got to get to the right length. And he's like adjusting the height of his lawnmower for different lawn mowing things he's doing. And he's like, that's his thing, right? He loves that. And so for him, mowing the lawn makes a ton of sense. And he's in one of those spots where like, he could very easily make significantly more, <laughs> right? Doing something else. He's a financial advisor. Um, so like for him, like, yeah, lawn mowing is not necessarily uh, something he does because it's saving him money or anything. It's something he enjoys. And so it makes sense for that to be a habit and a routine in his life. Um, but one thing that you you had brought up was that, you know, for you, you got rid of that as something that you do. You just hand over some money to somebody else to do it. And so I recently brought somebody into my life to do something for me. And it was one thing that I hate and that I'm not very good at. And that is a real struggle for me. And that is emails. I'm terrible. Like for the past two decades, I have never had an empty inbox. Like it just, it's like sediment. You know what I mean? Like it just piles and piles and piles and it just grows and grows. Like you can go to some of my older email inboxes, probably 30,000 messages in there. Um, like just horrendous, right? And so that's just my routine. That's my pattern. I don't really have a good system for that. And I've tried and I've you know tried working it and maybe I'll do this and it just falls apart because I just, I hate it. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. Uh, and then what happens though, is I'm, I'm not serving people at my highest level. I'm missing important messages from people. I'm not paying certain bills or something goes by an opportunity gets missed. And so, you know, my mismanagement of my email is causing me problems. It's causing me not to be a high performer anymore. And I keep trying to add these habits in, or I keep trying to add these things in to fix it. And it just doesn't work. So I tried something new. I said, okay, well, what if I brought in somebody to manage my inbox for me? Uh, and so I've literally hired a VA and what this person does. So VA, for those who don't know, virtual assistant. Um, so what she does is she, every day at like 5 a.m., uh, she comes onto my email, uh, sorts through everything, opens all my email and puts into priority folders. And so I have a high priority folder, I have a medium priority folder, and I have a low priority folder. And then I have a solved folder. And so what I do is every day I can go in and I can quickly see how many <laughs> emails are in each of those folders, right? And all the junk emails are getting filtered out. And so now I see, okay, I've got seven high priority emails. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it was quite a weekend, wasn't it? Okay. So now I know I have seven emails that I probably need to get done by the end of the day. I need to make sure those happen today. And then I've got maybe five in my medium priority. Like if I have time, I'll get to those today. If not, I need to get to those tomorrow. And then maybe I've got two, three, four, eight, ten 10 in my low priority. And it's like, when I got time, I'm going to get to you. Um, and, but it helps me because a lot of times what my biggest struggle was, I look at my inbox and it's just a stack of emails and I've got to go through each of them individually. And some of them matter. Some of them don't matter. And some of them, the, the house is on fire. And some of them, it's just this kind of lame mundane thing. But each time I touch one, I'm like, well, I might as well finish the task. You know what I mean? I might as well just go get this done. You know, even if it's low priority, even if it's a distraction. And so uh, what I've done now is now I know what my priorities are. And so I can just go into my email and this is the one I know I need to do now. And it's actually kind of created a new habit for me of, 
you know, I'm not going to clear out my inbox today, but my goal is to clear out my high priority emails today. That's a mission that I have each day. And so that's now a habit that I have where I'm trying to clear out those high priority emails every day. And then when I have time to get to the rest of them, I get to the rest of them. Um, but I had to, in order to build that type of a habit, I had to bring someone else in. I had to bring in another expert to help me with a spot that I was weak. And no matter how much I worked out that area, it just never got stronger. Um, so let's just mix things up a little bit and have someone who's strong in that area help me there. 100%. And a couple a theme I'm spotting here is from what you said, Christine, and what you said, Andrew, is knowing thyself. The better you know yourself, the better you understand which habits you want to install, the better you understand what you want to give away to someone else. And by the way, just because you give something away to someone else, like you giving it to someone else to, to or maybe you created an inbox rule or something, you still have to maintain communication with that person and maintaining communication with that person who does your email, who, who mows your lawn or with me with the podcast, Errol, the guy who edits all my podcasts and does all the thumbnails and everything like that to maintain communication. So a habit is sending a message every single morning to check in. You know, maybe I'm not going to message my lawn guy, who's my brother-in-law, by the way. I'm not going to message him every day. He'll be like, dude, like this is a once a week thing. Why are you messaging me every day? But creating a habit of communication. So if you're a leader of a team and you're delegating all these things out, it doesn't mean that you no longer have to think about anything. You still must lead that team of people to, to help them what they're doing. But if you're Christine, you might be doing that at 9 p.m. If you're me, you might be doing it at 7 a.m., right? One of the habits that I adopted a while ago that I stopped because it actually created more stress in my life is the 5 a.m. club. I read a book by Robin Sharma. It's called The 5 a.m. Club. Excellent book. I believe his research. It, it's tried and true. He's got a lot of people doing it, a lot of people who find success with it. I am not a 5 a.m. type of guy. Not for me, right? I get up at 6 a.m. most times, sometimes 7. That's generally the latest I'll get up because I am a morning person. I feel the best in the morning. At 9 o'clock, it's ready for me to turn the lights off, read a book in bed. Christine's out there networking while I'm while I'm getting ready to sleep. But she knows herself. Exactly. And, and I know myself. And I like to get everything done in the morning and, and do what I want to do in the later afternoon and evening. But I think the question really that this comes down to is, what is the lifestyle that you want to create for yourself? And based on how you answer that question, and by the way, some, some answers could be, well, I only want to work between the hours of nine and three, and then I want to be with family, or I want to be traveling and speaking on all these different stages, or I want to help 10 authors this month to publish their book and market it and, and hit the New York Times bestsellers or Amazon bestseller or whatever it is. The answer will greatly determine what are the habits that you must install in your day. Right, So deconstruct it from that end result. I want to help 10 authors launch their book this month and make mm -hmm. the Amazon bestseller list. Well, it's going to take a lot to do that. So as an example, you said earlier, Ben, that you mentioned bad habits, right? And this is the thing. Bad habits are just as difficult to form as good habits. For years and years and years, I had a bad habit of gossiping with other people. I literally didn't know what to talk to coworkers about. I, I had no other way to relate to them other than to talk about other people to them. It was this pattern that I kept going back to over and over. But at the beginning of doing that, I had to consciously make that choice. So earlier I said the small spontaneous decisions that you make throughout your day aren't going to help you improve your life. They will if you keep doing them over and over, but some of them will actually harm you. For me, it was mm -hmm. gossiping. The act of not going to the gym 
is a habit in itself. Instead of going to the gym, you think about it and you decide to do something different, right? The act of being unhealthy is just as much a habit as the act of being healthy and, and moving your body, however you decide to do that. The gym, pickleball, anything. And I spoke to someone on my podcast yesterday. His name was Don King. And he's a great individual. He's a college professor on communications along with being a pastor and other things. But he pretty much talked about the way to install a habit, but he didn't call it that. There's essentially four levels of learning. And I'll just go through them very, very quickly and see what you guys think about them. At the very beginning, when it comes to a new habit that you want to install, right? One of the questions we keep popping up here on a banner that will pop up right now is, what is the one habit that you want to install in your life? Before you install the habit or before you even know it exists, you are unconsciously incompetent. You don't know it exists. You don't even know that the possibility is there. You don't know what you don't know right? However, now you know that there is a habit that will help you to accomplish what it is you want to accomplish. Maybe it's working out at the gym. We'll use that as an example because fitness is the number one habit I wrote down that allows me to perform with high performance to do the things that I want to do and feel good doing it. So at first, you don't know what you don't know. And then you reach conscious incompetence. You're now aware of this new habit that you want to install, but you're still incompetent in how you're going to go about doing it. You don't know the workout routine. You don't know the nutrition. You don't know what gym. You don't know any of that stuff. You're not working with a trainer, anything like that. So you begin making these awkward first steps in order to learn. You read books. You listen to audiobooks. You talk to a trainer. You visit a gym. Eventually, you're going to the gym now, and you're starting to put place a focus on your health. Okay, This is just one example. Now, you're consciously competent. You understand what to do. You understand the importance of it, but it's still kind of clunky right? You're still not practicing the best form. You're still figuring things out. You're still trying to find the gym partner to work out with, but eventually you become unconsciously competent. You're so good at this thing that you just get up in the morning, you put your gym shorts on and you get to the gym. It's something that you do without even having to think about it. It's like when you're driving a car now, you forget the entire trip from your way to, to you forget the trip from home to, to go to Hangar in Clifton Park, right? You, you forget the entire trip and now you're, you're talking on the phone, you're driving with one hand, you're chewing gum, you're doing all these other things. Hopefully you're not talking on the phone unless you have Bluetooth. But the point is, you're so good at this thing that it becomes unconscious. And that can happen with bad habits, too. You driving by McDonald's on the way home. They conveniently placed those places, by the way. That McDonald's you drive by was placed there because they knew that you'd be driving by. So you're making a decision to pull in. Now you're aware of it. Then you keep doing it. You keep doing it. You become so good at pulling into that McDonald's, it becomes like the only option for you. And now you have a habit of stopping at McDonald's five to seven times a week. And I know people who do that. So again, no judgment, just observation on the importance of installing the right habits in the process in doing so. Andrew, you had, you just rose your hand. Oh yeah. I was just saying that used to be me. I used to, yeah. I used to be a sales guy and I had a sales territory and I'd drive around all my customers and like, I'd never pack a lunch. And so I would just, well, I'm hungry. So if I'm at a pizzeria, let's get a slice of pizza. If I'm here, I'll do this. And I was finding that for breakfast, I was typically eating McDonald's and for lunch, it was kind of a coin flip. It was either going to be McDonald's or probably pizza. And that was my life. Uh, that was my day. And, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting because, um, you know, the things that we do on a repeated basis in a sense become who we are. And, uh, they had like, you know, one medical day or whatever, uh, at the Pepsi location I used to work at. And so, you know, went in, you're kind of like required, like, Hey, you're supposed to go here for this day. So I went and they did my blood pressure, a whole bunch of other workup stuff. And, you know, I had pre hypertension, uh, at age like 24. <laughs> um, and so like, for me, it was like, 
oh, okay, so something's not uh, something's not going well here. Uh, the way that I'm living is is not working, um, and, and and that was a moment for me where it became conscious. Because up until then, it was just unconscious, right? I was very good at just blah, 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 kind of floating through, right? And then and then as soon as you have one of those moments, though, you know, hopefully that mm. consciousness leads to the next action. Uh, what kills you, though, is when you have that moment of awakening, of consciousness of this issue, and then you choose to do nothing with it. I think that's the, one of the greatest tragedies of, of humanity is when we do recognize an opportunity for positive change and then do nothing. So my challenge for, for those listening today is... If you are in that unconscious spot, and maybe you're in that either competence or, or uncompetence, um, whichever spot you are, though, if you do have that awakening moment, if you do come to consciousness of an opportunity, go do it. Go seize that. Go take that next step. Because to dwell in that conscious state of knowing things aren't right, it is going to eat at you uh, at a deeper level than you even know. I think it's also recognizing that I know there was a comment that was like, you know, some, some habits are, are less effort or less time, but I do think all habits matter. So mm. good or bad, because it's the momentum that is pushing you forward. And I think from even a high performance level, like people automatically assume that's like, okay, I make more money or I'm, I'm a top athlete or whatever the situation is. But even the most basic of things that you're doing on a regular basis, usually people never f- fully evaluate. Like, going back to the stupid things that we hate doing in our own personal lives, right? Those things subconsciously cause other train wrecks. um, In my, in my opinion, like it actually affects your performance in other areas that could be where you would like to go, right? You want to make more money. You want to speak at more events, but these things might nag at you. You may not realize it, but they might hold you back. Um, because you putting energy and thinking about, I don't want to do this might cause you to not be open to other things that are hard for you. Um, Mm. so like just that thought process of like, eh, I don't like it. So I'm not going to do it. Well, how many times are you going to say that? Right. How many times are you going to shut something down? Because, well, it's kind of outside of my my norm or my usual, or that's not somebody I normally hang out with, right? So looking at it as like, how can I get this off of my plate as quickly as possible? Make it less irritating. There's nothing to fully get rid of it completely. Like Brandon was saying, like, even when you delegate out, you still have to participate. You still have to be present, right? But if you've trained your team well and they come back to you and they report, to you on these things. Hey, this is done now. Um, I'll see you next week, right? Or, hey, this client is being handled. Like all of these things are, are continuing to move forward. So you're spending less time and effort, but you have to keep in mind that like every habit, there's a ripple effect to it. Even if it seems super mundane and not like not a big deal, you know, leaving your car unclean for years, mm. Well, what's going to happen when you go and clean it? It's going to take you a ton of time, right? Like, like, okay, well, if you're going to complain about that, well, then you should have been maintaining that the whole time, right? It, you know, it seems stupid, but like these things pile up. Um, and I think as human beings, we don't do a good job of taking time to sit in the current situations that we're in personally mm-hmm. and professionally and the crossovers that happen and saying like, Hey, how can I shave off a few more, few more minutes? 
How can I make sure that this thing that I hate doing or my spouse hates doing or my kids hate doing is less of an issue because it causes a fight later, causes them to be irritated later, or it causes something else to happen. How do we prevent that from happening so we can all live happier, more successful lives? Can I, let me talk a little bit about the ripple effect because you mentioned it. Christine's the queen of ripple effects. Um, You have a decision. We've talked about this. So the decision, let's say you're um, consciously incompetent. That's the best place to be because you're conscious of it. Now you have one of two decisions. You can move towards competence and that's a decision to build a skill set. So that's how you build skill sets to be consciously incompetent, but choose not to move towards competence. That's a decision that I think leads to self-doubt and shame because you start checking the box, failed, 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 failed. And confidence comes from memories of winning, memories of success. So if you're conscious of your incompetence and you continue to do the wrong thing, you're going to be checking that fail box every single time rather than checking that win box. And I actually want to give a little bit of empathy to the sales trainer that I put on blast before anyone else and part of Brandon that was maybe a little triggered because (laughs) I know personally um, neurological conditions actually run in my mother's side of the family. A lot of us have just we're not the typical puzzle piece neurologically. I don't know what it is, why it is. It's just facts. And someone who maybe doesn't have social skills that needs to learn how to listen better, how to be more curious, how to actually be attentive. People like to assume, especially people that are very good at it. People like to assume that everybody's just that way. Now the question is, am I learning social skills to manipulate a buyer to make a sale Or am I learning social sales because there's a disconnect between me and my possible client and I want to learn this so I can be more connected, not just in that sales conversation, but everywhere in life. I feel like that that conscious incompetence is a great place to be, to be like, I don't listen. I don't know how to pay attention. Everyone thinks I'm selfish. Let's learn how to not be that way. And you can live in shame in being like, oh, I'm just a selfish, crappy person. Or you can make the decision, I'm going to build that skill set to be better. So I'm lending grace to anyone who's like, well, shoot, I, I, I'm i that sales guy. But realistically, what I didn't like about the sales trainer is like, let's teach you how to act like you care. It's not about acting this way. It's about integrating and implementing, again, these habits and these small decisions to build that skill set to create more impact on the things you're trying to achieve. Um, so a little bit of grace, but still going to call the sales trainer out. You don't want to fake it. You do want to be real about it. Can I, I was trying to tee something up. The idea of yeah. doing versus being, um, mm-hmm. you know, because often we do habits, um, but does it change who we are? And sometimes it starts to. And so I kind of want to just kind of maybe open up that can a little bit and see where we can go with it. I'm going to I'm going to keep eating out of the original can just for a second. <laughs> go do it. Go eat out of the original can. So with, with this whole that idea of the sales training. So first of all, if this if this person is and I do think this is relevant, if this person is training someone and says, this is how you act like you care, that's terrible, right? 
At the same right. time, I look at salespeople and theater performers in a very similar light, right? So you watch a theater performance and you see someone go up there and they act in this completely egregious way that's completely out of their natural state. But do we as the viewer look at that person and say, that's not normally how that person acts? Like when we went to go see Wicked on Broadway, like these people are acting in very theatrical ways that they wouldn't be acting in if they were on the streets of New York. They're in the theater, right? So as a salesperson, I always had that natural it's weird to even call it a skill, but that natural inclination to want to know more about other people, right? I think that's the biggest thing. So when it comes to salespeople, I found that a lot of them did not possess that natural inclination. They didn't know what to talk about. They didn't know how to keep the conversation going on a straight line from the beginning to the outcome that you're looking to achieve. But the outcome that I've always wanted to achieve in sales and the one that I train new salespeople on is the outcome of making the experience for the end buyer that much better. The best thing you could hear from a client is, wow, you made this so easy for me. I came in here to buy a phone today and I was nervous. I was like anxious because I thought I was going to lose all my information, but wow, this was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And literally every day I hear that and the response is always the same. That's exactly how it should be right? Because I know how to ask about you. I know how to maybe repeat a word that you said so that you go more deep into the conversation, but I'm not doing it to act like I care because I truly do. And I don't believe you can teach caring, right? If you're a psychopath or a sociopath, you probably shouldn't be in sales, but generally those people tend to do well, which is kind of scary. Many of them become CEOs. No, no attack on CEOs out there. (laughs) What'd you say, Ben? And cult leaders. (laughs) Yes, and cult leaders. So teaching those skills is very, very valuable. And where I'd like to go with this is I learned a new song recently on guitar. And usually I look up a chord chart and I'm like, okay, this is the same four chords as that song and this song and this song. But this one was kind of different. It was really cool. And I was learning it and learning it and I'm trying to sing over it, but it was difficult. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I've actually caught a snag here. This is actually a difficult one for me. And then I went to bed and I woke up the next morning And I picked up the guitar and it was easier to play. And I was like, whoa, what the heck happened between last night and right now? And then I played a little bit more, went to bed, woke up, and it was a little bit easier to play, right? So then I'd go to an open mic and play the song and people are like, wow, Brandon, you're so talented, right? The principle that we all hear, but it's really important to dive into is you're celebrated in public for what you practice in private. You're celebrated in public for what you practice in private. So they see you at the open mic. They see you networking and they say, wow, she's really a people person. They see you launching a book and they think, wow, Andrew's really talented. But no, he's done this over and over and over and over and over, right? He's doing this because of the quote unquote boring and mundane actions that go into launching a book or that go into marketing a business or a podcast or that goes into working with different teams, right? All the things that you don't see that person doing, it's the only reason they're in that spotlight so that you can see them perform their magic. So a lot of people look at these habits and they think, well, that's boring. That's not glamorous. No, it's not. And the most successful people are generally the most boring people. And to go back to what you said, Christine, myself included, you know, obviously I'm growing every single day, but I definitely have a set of habits that help me to get to where I am. Christine said earlier, being strategically lazy. I absolutely love that. I've never heard it said that way, but it's true because 
now I put less energy into playing that song. But the first time I played that song, I had a lot of energy, a lot of focus, a lot of concentration. But because Christine strategically curates her life, it takes less energy for her to do what it used to take three versions of her to do, right? Because a lot of people look at, you know, people like us and a lot of people listening and they're like, wow, I want to be like that person. I don't know how they get so much done. Like Larry Levine, the owner of Selling from the Heart, great guy, mm. he spends an hour every single day prospecting. Every day, Monday through Sunday, he's prospecting in the morning, every single day. He never fails, even on Thanksgiving, he's prospecting because. At this point, it takes no energy for him to do that. It's clockwork. He's unconsciously competent when it comes to that. So get used to the boring, get used to the mundane. And if you need to acquire a skill, then acquire that skill like we just talked about with the sales. And eventually that will become unconsciously competent for you as well. Boom, baby. So what, what was that other can you were looking to open, Andrew? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, and, and it's the idea, and we brought up in a couple different conversations today, and it's the, the act of doing things and the act of being, either being yourself or being that type of person. And so often what we do starts to define who we are. And Ben kind of brought that up in some of his thoughts, where if you're that type of person that knows that you're doing something that's not right or not moving you in the right direction, but you still keep going against the grain anyway, or you still keep not taking that action, you become the type of person that does not do that. It starts to become who you are. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to think about our habits. Um, yes, there's these things, there's, there are things, we do them. But at the same time, they, they start to reverse things a little bit. They start to inform who we are. Um, and so... Um, Oh, goodness. Uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Uh, for those that have not read it yet, go read it, go listen to it, whatever medium you need. Uh, great book. But one of the things that he talks about in there is often we have these external things that we're trying to do. Um, but if they're not a reflection of who we are, it's hard to do those things. We kind of alluded to that earlier of you know certain things just don't fit with certain people, your personality or the way you like to do things. But the reverse is also true. You can do things to an extent where that starts to become you. You start to be that type of person. And Brandon talked about that with prospecting, right? So if you just are, if you just do prospecting and you do prospecting, eventually you become the type of person that just prospects. That's just who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just kind of want to open that idea of doing and being, uh, and maybe either some ways that you guys have done that, where maybe something wasn't natural, but then you did it until you were, it, it became you, or the reverse, um, you know, where you are something and then you started implementing it and now you do that thing. What comes first, the being or the doing? I think it, I think it depends. I think a lot of ways it depends because um, I know for me, at a certain point in my life, I had, uh, you know, an unconscious uh, incompetence at uh, being social, <laughs> kind of like Ben alluded to, like, I just wasn't great at it. You know, it was one of those things where like, I, I didn't fit in. I was kind of more of a loner, more of an outsider. Um, and I remember I took a personality test when I was like eight, which like, don't give your kids personality tests at that age. Uh, but anyway, I convinced my parents to let me do it. So one of the questions in there, though, was like, um, on a Friday, Friday night, would you rather go to a party or read a book? And I was like, go to a party? What does that mean, mom and dad? They're like, oh, like a birthday party, like a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, yeah, I'd probably rather read a book. But then I started thinking about it more. And I'm like, I noticed that like the people that are attracting people around them that seem to be having more fun, that seem to be, be better connected, um, 
they would have checked that box differently. They may have said I would go to the party. Um, and so I started thinking like, okay, well, how do I be that type of person that is the party? How do I be the type of person that draws people in that is able to be that kind of magnetic personality? Uh, and so kind of earlier in my life, I kind of had this moment where I was like, well, I want to be that kind of person. And so I just started doing those type of things that it would take to be that person. And it was very slow going at first, super awkward, high school, middle school, just awful. Uh, goodness gracious, ha happily made it through that. But I made some small strides, but I continued to push, continued to push. And now people look at me and they say, oh, he's a natural. He's, he's super magnetic. He's really good with people. He's got all these soft skills, blah, blah, blah. But I did not for a long time have that ability but now mm. i trained it i did it and now i am it and people see that as who i am um and so that's just something i want to bring up is the idea that you know these moments of consciousness where you realize something and then take action they can profoundly change who you are if you take those actions it can become who you are guys this is the tweetable write this down you can be <laughs> I just came up with this. Hopefully it lands. You can be, you can be and become simultaneously. Yeah. So you can be in a state of being, but still in a state of growth and becoming. So you can be, and then you become, and then you become someone else. And then you can be that person, but still become someone new. And oftentimes there's been habits I've instilled into my life, habits that I've done and I became someone I didn't want to be. <laughs> and then I learned to become someone new by being again. Um, don't know if that makes sense, but if it did, go tweet it. Go tweet it, tag Ben in it so he knows that it's spreading. <laughs> Make it viral. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it, thinking about like some habits lead us to new habits, right? Yeah. Like sometimes we have to start something to figure out like, is this going to work for us? Is this going to put us in the right direction of, you know, something that we might think that's super simple. And then we try it and we're like, eh, you know, let's make some tweaks. Right. And I think that's constantly what you have to look at is everything needs constant tweaks, how it worked for you three years ago may not work now because you have kids or you have multiple businesses that you own, or you have, you know, two assistants now. Like I, I think, you know, looking at that and saying, okay, how do I make sure this continues to move in the right direction and still works for me? And I'm still, you know, happy about it. And it's, I'm not spending a ton of time on it or whatever that is. Um, I, I think that's, you know, it's constant. There's no, like, I'm going to do this from now until forever. And it's never going to change. Now, we can all look at like, you know, some, some people that we know that are in their eighties. Right. And they have like a set thing that they do. Like my husband's parents is a good example, right? They always eat at this time. They always go to bed at this time. They always do these things. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like they're at that point in their lives where like, that's fine. But some of the things that change are based off of like, okay, we want to make sure we still see our friends, that we still golf, we still go out to dinner, right? So they're still making changes to make sure those things still happen, but it doesn't prevent them from changing the other habits that they do like and do enjoy and are consistently doing from now until whenever. Yes. So Ben, I've been writing down all your lines, by the way, because we're going to have a book one day. <laughs> gonna book. We're going to make this into a book. Just to share it with you guys, it's not out yet, but we just did a podcast and Ben said off the cuff, I was betting on myself, but I was a poor gambler. 
He said that, and I was like, "Whoa, what a line that is!" I, love that. I also, I also now, said like thirty crappy words in between, but, but yeah, <laughs> we will obliterate those ones and focus on the good ones. And then you can be and become at the same time. I love that, and it's true. And and I like to take that. And before you know, we gather some last thoughts here before we depart the lunch break hour. That idea of who do you want to become? Like when I started my business. I wanted to be a beacon and a sharer of thoughts and advice and try different things myself and share those things with other people in order to help them. And I realized in order to be that, I need to do that. And I started to get really uncomfortable and it was uncomfortable to put my phone on the tripod and record my first video and release it on social media and hear criticism and hear good things too. But all the things that we're doing now, we didn't do these things until we decided who it was that we wanted to become. So I'd like to ask you listening, who is it that you are working to become right now? And ask yourself, because you already know the answer, what is the one habit where if you install this habit in your life, it will fast track your success on the way to that version of yourself that you want to become? And then ask, what's stopping you? from taking one action today in order to begin being that version of yourself. If it's going to the gym, maybe look up where the nearest one is, go take a tour. Maybe it's go outside, go for a walk and prime your body and then go to the gym tomorrow. If it's the business, maybe send one message on LinkedIn to someone you don't know to spark up a conversation or be introduced to that person. Whatever it is, you already know what it is. You already know what you should be doing. Just take one step and make 1% progress in that direction because a year is going to go by five years is going to go by 10 years is going to go by and the faster that you can go from unconsciously incompetent to consciously competent or actually unconscious competence where it's just automatic the faster you can go from here to here the faster you're going to get to that version of yourself who you want to become so what are what are some last thoughts that you guys have on on high performance habits and what we've talked about today. And I, w- I want Andrew to go because I know he's got to take off. But Brandon, you need to close the show because you you laid some bombs down here and now we have to talk after that. I don't know if any of us can <laughs> Oh, you'll be great. <laughs> we can all drop some bombs. I've heard each of you guys crush it. I'm gambling on you, Ben. Andrew, right. Andrew, my man. Let's go. Uh, so one thing I'll close with is uh, maybe one of my high performance habits that's really helped me a lot. And uh, I used to be in a state where uh, you kind of heard earlier, I was buying McDonald's and having pizza every day, multiple times a day. Now it's my life. However, got to a spot where I was like, okay, well, I need to start turning things around a little bit. Uh, I actually lost that job. I was fired and uh, became a personal trainer. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be it. <laughs> okay. If, I, if I'm having trouble doing it, let's go be it. Um, and so I did. And it was awesome. But one of the things that I started doing was I started having green smoothies every day. And so for those that have been kind of watching online, uh, you'll see that I've been kind of sipping on that in between uh, discussion points. And that's one of those habits where when I'm doing it, it's very helpful, very effective. I'm getting a large amount of greens in every day. So I bought a Vitamix blender, dump stuff in there and blend it up and off I go. But I'll tell you this, the first green smoothies I had were not effective. They were not good. They were actually horrible. The first green smoothie I tried actually was a milkshake. It was ice cream and milk and like 10 spinach leaves. 
And I had one of those like old crappy, like terrible blenders and I didn't put enough milk in. And so it was just this like thick thing that like touched each leaf twice. You know what I mean? So I've got these like giant leaf chunks in this like ice cream smoothie thing. And I'm like, this is terrible. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, eventually I transitioned to a spot where it was like it was only spinach and protein powder uh, and maybe some some form of fruit in there for flavor. And so then, um, you know, it got to a point over time where it was this very, very healthy part of my day. And that's been with me for eight, nine years now. Uh, And just kind of thinking about like the amount of spinach that I have now consumed because of that habit, uh, just on a daily basis, anywhere from, you know, a half pound to a pound of spinach you know, every day, or at least four days a week, five days a week, um, you know, you compound that over a decade, like that has a profound impact on me, my health and my body. Um, but it's a relatively small thing. The hardest part about that habit, like most habits is starting it is, is getting in the routine of making it. And so when I had a job that I would show up for, I had to leave the house with my smoothie if I wanted to have it. So to go out the door, I'd make it, but now I work at home. And so a new challenge has kind of rippled is when do I make my smoothie? And so that's something I'm still having to relearn because now my life has changed. And Christine alluded to this earlier is like, you may have great habits now, but your life's probably going to change. And so for me, life changed and I now have to figure out how to keep this habit going and find my new routine. Um, so I just want to share some encouragement for those that uh, are looking to either start a new habit or, or continue with one um, is, is just honestly start it and keep going and find a way to keep going. Hey, Andrew, how do we know that that's not really a Big Mac, a McRib and green food coloring in that smoothie right There's now? no way to know. <laughs> There's no way to know. <laughs> Nothing like Popeye, dude. I feel like you'd be Popeye by now. A pound a day. <laughs> so, what are some last thoughts from you, Christine and Ben? What do you What are you thinking on the topic of habits here? Um, I would say, like, obviously, starting is is definitely the the first thing, but you don't have to do it alone. Like, nothing says that the habit that you have that you want to try. Find someone maybe who tried tried it before you or is trying to do a new habit too, complete, completely unrelated, right? Like you're trying to go to the gym more and they're not, they're trying to do something else. It's always good to have an accountability buddy. Like it definitely helps to just to, to check in and be like, oh, I missed my thing today or like, oh, I'm still working on it or, you know, I need more resources. Like support network is everything. Huge. Uh, has anyone read The Miracle Morning? Mm-hmm. Hal Elrod. Hal Elrod. So I'll be the the concise version is he got cancer, almost died, wrote a book, was a bestseller, was a life coach, health coach, and found himself unhealthy and feeling miserable. And big part of it was his habits and his morning routine. So we did how Elrod did a bunch of research on what is the best morning routine? What is the best rituals and habits of the successful people? And he found that there isn't just one. He found that there's a lot and six of them came up the most in high performers. So guess what he did? He tried all six. So when I read the book, guess what I did? (laughs) I tried all six because that's just how I work. And uh, I'll give you this concise version, but he created an acronym called SAVERS, the, the habits that saved his life. I've been doing it for literally probably seven or eight years now. And I'll give you my version really quickly. And again, extract one of these. You don't have to go all in, but 
Does any of this light you up? Are you not doing any of this? So the first essence savers is silence. That's a moment of meditation, a moment of gratitude, just a moment to close your eyes and breathe. Just a moment of silence. There's so much noise in our life. Um, for me, there's an app called Othership, which is a breathwork app that takes music and guided breathwork. So it walks you through the breathing exercises. I love it as a musician. I'm like fist bumping, excited. So that's what I do for my silence. Affirmations is affirming who you are and who you are becoming. I'm good enough now. It's not just, oh, I'm great and I'm attractive, but it's like, I'm good enough now. I'm only getting better. I'm an open channel for creative ideas. I act as if I already have what I want because I'm attracting happiness into my life. And putting together affirmations that you are and you continue to become, that's the affirmation part. And you can do that in literally 20 seconds. V is visualization. Visualize that person you're becoming and not just visualize like, not just the picture on the wall, but the feeling. Like, what is it going to feel like when you hit X? What is it going to feel like when you achieve X? So imagine what you're trying to achieve and what it's going to feel like. The E in savers is exercise. You got to get the body pumping. You got to get the body flowing. Even if it's jumping down, jumping up and down or doing a couple burpees or I do jumping jacks in the morning and jump rope. Um, literally takes me 45 seconds. I'm tired after 45 seconds of jump rope. R is reading something that lifts you up. You don't want to read horror stories first thing in the morning. So I read <laughs> nonfiction every morning. And S is scribing, which is just a fun way of saying writing. I have three different journal exercises, one on gratitude, one on my daily uh, to-do list, and one on my wins from the last day. So that's the concise version. And I chug a glass of water or tea every morning. Um, and I like to reach out to one new person that I haven't spoken to in a while just to say, hey, I appreciate you. Now, that's a lot. You don't have to do all of it, but I did all of it. And the man I was eight years ago versus the man I am now is a completely different human being. Um, so I do recommend if any of those are something you're not doing, bring that habit into your life. That's my opinion. Wow. Excellent advice. Thanks for going through each of those. That was one of the first personal development personal development books I read, and it was also like Same. eight years ago. And uh, you probably mentioned it, but the author, for those who want to go grab that book, is Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning. I listened to it. I think he's the narrator as well, and it's very good. Uh, the, the final thought I'd have for you guys, and Chris... Chris here commented and said, thanks for a great conversation and challenging us all. And we're all on this journey with you guys. You know, we're not the, we're not the masters here, but we're, we're having the conversation, sparking some questions, hopefully in your mind that will help you to move from unconscious incompetence to unconscious competence. And really the, the biggest step there for me and my last thought for you is moving from unconscious incompetence, not knowing what we don't know, to knowing that this one thing, this one habit that we can install will change our life, change our business, make things easier for us, conserve our energy. And really the way to go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence is listen to people who you want to be more like. Find a role model. Find a, you guys make fun of me, but find a mentor who's living a life that you want to live, who's already How doing many? what you want to do. <laughs> How many mentors, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> and one in each area of life, truly, if you, if you can find them. And you might just start with one who's good in a few areas, but then you realize, wow, I want to be more like that. What can I do? And that's when the, the habit of reading and learning and digesting these new things will come into your life. And then 
Take it one step at a time. Make the ice cream smoothie with two leaves of lettuce that then be or uh, spinach that then becomes a, a pound of spinach, right? Start with the small actions and the small steps. Take it day by day. It's a long run. It's about the long game. And if you start today, just imagine where you'll be in a month's time, six months time, a year's time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Lunch Break ABCs. Be on the lookout for the next poll that one of us, usually Ben, sends out on the next topic for the Lunch Break ABC. So make sure to go follow each of us and connect with us if you're not already connected so you can see that next poll because these conversations start from what you vote for as the topic that you want to hear about. Thanks so much for watching and listening, guys, and we will see you next month. See you soon.